When I see people in the Middle East and in Pakistan and in many other parts of the world, even China, who are coming to Christ at the cost of their life, I mean, they're literally signing their own death warrant when they come to Christ. Then I see so-called pastors, music leaders going through deconstruction. That tells me that all the fakes are now in this process of separation between sheep and goats are falling away because they were never of us, as John said in the epistles, because they were never of us, therefore they didn't stay with us. But then those who are really, truly belong to the Church of Jesus Christ Universal, from every corner of the globe, they're coming to Christ. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef, and today we have one of my favorite guests, Dr. Michael Youssef, my dad. I am welcome. so honored to be with you. And today we're talking about your latest book, Never Give Up, Holding Fast to Biblical Truth in Times of Danger and Despair. Yes. Are we in times of danger and despair? Absolutely. <laughs> you have to be living in another planet not to recognize the danger and the despair. And the danger is that there are enemies that are working day and night, day and night, to destroy any semblance of absolutes, of morals, of value. And unfortunately, in fact, sadly, and that's why I wrote the book, is they're invading the church. And now all biblical norms are being changed in many a church. Mm -hmm. Mega churches no longer preach salvation in Christ alone, through faith alone, or by grace alone. Mm -hmm. And they're just now either motivational speakers and tell you that you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, or you get some other small churches where they preach legalism. Thou shall not do this and this and this and this. Now, the Word of God gets lost in the shuffle. And that is why I chose this most poignant epistle in the entire New Testament. They're all fantastic. They're all great because they're inspired Word of God, every one of them. I preached through all of them. But the second letter to Timothy particularly, because Paul is facing death, and he is worried sick, not in a negative sense, but very concerned about his successor, his disciple, uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, and those concerned about the condition of the church and what's going on. And so these are the very last words that he pinned down and sent to him. And then we don't know, but probably days or weeks after that, he was beheaded mm-hmm. in uh, a PN way and died. You have been in ministry for almost 50 years now. Have you ever seen the trajectory with the intensity that it is today? I mean, you have seen the ebbs sure. and the flows yep. of false teaching and different heretical things coming into the church, right. movements, changing of doctrine, changing of the culture. Is there something unique about today's culture from what you've seen in the past? Yes. I mean, in the 60s, we had the hippie movement and all that, and and that came into the church, and it looked fashionable for guys to have long hair leading music and all that kind of stuff. But that was benign in comparison 
to the militantism. It's a militant. It's funny, in the old English prayer book, they have a prayer there called the church militant here on earth. Mm. We're supposed to be militant yeah. in our commitment, in yes, our yes. faith, and in yeah. our holding of the truth. Yeah. And so it's called church militant here on earth in the 1662 prayer book. But now the militants is coming from the evil forces, satanic forces really using people. And I feel sorry for them because they are a pawn. They have been used by Satan. Yeah. And they are being used by Satan to do several things. One main thing, but they do it differently. And that is to destroy any confidence that believers have in the Word of God and in moral absolutes and for holy living. That is a design. But the way they do it, it's really amazing. They basically use our faith as a weapon against us. For example, uh, you know, we are loving people. We have to be. We are commanded to be a loving people. So we love. So they will come and say, how can you love? And you are bigoted toward this group or that sin or that immorality. You should, and the motto is, love is love. (laughs) You know. Lunacy, it makes no sense. Exactly. But then they make us feel guilty, and some people fall for it. I don't. And you don't, but there are some people who fall for it and say, oh, I better not say anything wrong against homosexuality or transgender or abortion or immorality or racism, anything, anything that's evil. We can't say anything against it because that means that we're not loving. But you see, they succeeded in their deception. They succeeded. Just like the Pharisees were trying to manipulate Jesus and he wouldn't let them. I mean, every time they said, well, you can do this and you can do that. He said, no. And he dressed them down and said, no, you're false. In fact, he told them, you are of your father, the devil. That's right. And boy, they got exercised about that. But that's how we're supposed to be. That is why we should never give up. We should never give in. And we should never compromise our convictions and the stands we take. We say, we love you, but we will not change. Now, the churches, of course, coming in and because so many pastors— want to be liked. They don't want to be rejected by the culture at large. They don't want to be called bigots. They don't want to be called these names that they use to intimidate us. And so they say, oh, no, no, we don't. And therefore, they come and then invade the church, and then it's no longer the church of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The few faithful ones, either too old to move or the ones who can, they leave oh, right. and go and find Bible-believing churches. Yeah. And so I personally think, Jonathan, is that God has begun the process of separation between the sheep and the goats. And I'm going to get into this in a minute because I'll tell you why I feel that. That's just my personal opinion. (laughs) I'm not saying thus says the Lord. When I see people in the Middle East Mm -hmm. and in Pakistan and in many other parts of the world, even China, who are coming to Christ At the cost of their life, I mean, they're literally signing their own death warrant when they come to Christ and publicly take a stand. And then I see so-called pastors, music leaders going through deconstruction. They just call it what it is, becoming apostates. (laughs) Nice word, deconstruction. Basically, they're turning their back on Christ and salvation and eternal life and everything that they knew and preached. That tells me that all the fakes, 
all the ones who are pretending to be Christians, who are yeah. pretending to be pastors and pretending to be worship leaders and singers, and now in this process of separation between sheep and goats, are falling away mm-hmm. because they were never of us, as John said in the epistles, yeah. because they were never of us, therefore they didn't stay with us. But then those who are really, truly belong to the Church of Jesus Christ universal from every corner of the globe, they're coming to Christ. So I think he's gathering his elect. He's preparing them for his return. And if we face some horrendous stuff like possibility that we will go through tribulation or the Antichrist, we don't know. Right. Some people are very certain about that. It's I don't. Yeah, for sure. Either way, we need to be prepared. We need to be encouraged, and we need to hold each other's hand and love each other. And so that when the real full blunt of it comes, now we're seeing only the smoke. Yeah. When the fire comes, we want to stand together. There does seem to be this uptake of the amount of once professing, as you've described it, pastors, Christian teachers, leaders, singers, whatever, turning away. You could say it's, well, it's just that we have access to media more quickly. And so we're here. Everything's immediate. It's all, you know, front page news. But I mean, it, it does seem that that is a greater quantity yes. of these deconstructing, right. moving away from. Right. So it's, I mean, it certainly seems to be shedding a light on something that sovereign God is working through this process. Right. You know, the theme of endurance is really all throughout Scripture, yes. and, and certainly John picks it up in the book of Revelation, but it is the theme of Paul's letter to Timothy. Right. So in thinking about endurance, what are we as Christians enduring? What are we going through? You've given some of the examples of the sort of what we would call hot-button issues and the right. topics of the day, sure. homosexuality and that yeah. sort of thing. But yeah. there's more endurance than just dealing it, with those issues. Exactly. I think there is a bigger issue than all of these. These are just samples yeah. of people who are trying to intimidate us yeah. and they're trying to shut us up in order to get their agenda through. The biggest, and I have never, in all of my knowledge of history, I don't remember ever statistics like this. Here we go. Mm -hmm. 65% of born-again Christians, especially the younger generation, say that Jesus is not the only way. And this is not just one survey. This is one after another after another. 70% of Americans say there is other ways to God. And when it comes into the church of those who read, I believe Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. And so you immediately think, oh, they're Christians. It ceases to be a church at that point. Exactly. How can you say Jesus is my Savior? If you say he's only my Savior but not his Savior or her Savior, then you're saying Jesus is a liar. Basically, I hope people are angry for me to use that word. Right. We should be angered. That's C.S. Lewis's thing. Liar, lunatic, or... Well, the reason I'm saying, you know, they're saying Jesus is a liar because... Not just that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He did that. So somebody would say, well, yeah, he's the way, the truth, and life to me. But he's the next sentence. And no one, no one, when no one, he said no one means no one. I don't care if they're Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, whatever religion belong to, or no religion at all, atheist, agnostic. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so 
For 70% of American population to say, no, there are other ways to God, that means 70% of Americans believe Jesus lied. Yeah. What's contributing to this? What is it that has seeped into the Western mindset, so to speak, that has said Jesus is a cultural phenomenon for Western people? So is it a lack of the Bible being taught well in churches? What would you surmise that is contributing to this? Well, I believe all started in America's pulpits Mm -hmm. way back. If you remember my book, Saving Christianity, Mm -hmm. where I name names of people in America who began this trend. Now, they were kind of looked at, uh, but now it's, of course, common. As a friend of mine used to say, as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew, and as goes the pew, so goes society. And so they started way down yonder in the mainland denominations of saying God has other ways. God is so big. He surely had not one way and so forth. Surely his way would not go to himself. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what they say. Exactly. Exactly. That he really didn't mean what he said and that uh, the gospel writers really put it in there. They come up with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. The stuff that they can't back up with evidence. Right. And so, it's feeling and emotion. Driven. Exactly. Yeah. I remember one time, in fact, I told the story without too many details uh, uh, recently. About 30 years ago or so, a woman was so angry on the phone and mad, and she kept saying to me, I'm not mad, I'm not upset, but my husband is. He's mad at you. And he's so angry. And I said, well, well, why? She said, because you preach a sermon saying Jesus is the only way to heaven, but his father was a wonderful man, and he did not believe in Jesus, and he can't tell me that he's not in heaven. See the emotions of it? Yeah. I can't stand the thought that my father's not in heaven. Well, I don't know where your father is. I don't know where anybody is. Yeah. I don't make the rules. Sure. I just follow them. And when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that is why they're giving up on this truth. They're giving up on it. And, of course, the second thing is they want to be liked. A lot of pastors want to be liked. All they need is somebody come up to them in church and say, you're a bigot if you say that Jesus is the only way, one way to God. God is, oh, no, 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 don't call me bigot. How do you want me to accommodate? Mm -hmm. Come on in. We'll talk about it. No, there is no talking. There is no discussion. Language is a powerful tool. Yep. In both ways. Exactly. Um, So, you know, I know um, John Stott has the little study guide on 2 Timothy he calls guarding the good deposit. So there's so much more. You're right. I mean, the overall theme here, endurance, never giving up. But there's a lot of really great elements in 2 Timothy that you're bringing out in your book. Let's talk about some of those things. For instance, one we've just talked about a little bit here is Paul's concern that he would be ashamed of the gospel, calling him not to be ashamed of it. I mean, in your own ministry, have you ever felt that pull, the the feeling of of shame? and the temptation. Yeah. The temptation is always there, Mm. is always there, especially if you allow yourself to be in an environment I was in an environment for the first four years here in Atlanta in the Church of the Apostles. I was in an environment, a mainline denomination, where I was called to my face by fellow clergymen. Words I can't even repeat, but they call me, and I stood alone. I stood alone. There was another person in that convention who I know agrees with me, but he kind of hid. He did not want to be identified with me at all. So I stood alone. 
against 350 delegates and saying the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And finally, I mean, I would be walking towards a group of them talking with each other, and I would come to them, not to join them, but just to say hello. They immediately on cue, they would turn their backs to me. They want me to know that I am not welcomed. Mm. And that's fine. I wear that as a badge of honor. Mm. But I also want to encourage all young pastors, all young believers, and all the mm-hmm. Bible teachers, don't let them intimidate you. You see, guarding the gospel, you're exactly right. You know, that's a word that John often used, John Stott. Guard the gospel, because that's the first thing he says to him. Every chapter of the four, he tells him to do something. And it's one of them is, is guard that gospel. Don't compromise it. Don't water it down for popularity. Don't sell it, uh, sell out. And so I think that's the whole idea. But then he takes the image of the farmer and the soldier, and, and he says, that's who we are. Yeah, you know? that's right, which is funny because you used the militant yeah. illustration earlier. Yeah. And it made me think, uh, well, I know Paul uses that uh, to some degree in terms of not being entangled in the— Exactly. Soldiers yeah, yeah. don't entangle the in the civilian affairs, yeah, yeah. but soldiering, that's what we are. And that's why many churches today, I'm, I dare say, vast majority of churches today, threw away onward Christian soldier hymn. Yeah. And we sing it deliberately in the church every now and again because it is. We are soldiers. We are different kind of soldiers. We are yeah. spiritual soldiers. But we need to be aware of the fact that also our weapons are not carnal. Yeah, yeah not against flesh and blood, but yeah. principalities. But at the same time, there's a, a war being waged, but there's also victories already one been done yeah, yeah. so yeah. like the old man who said i read the last and, chapter and says we yeah, win yeah. yeah okay in addition to that it's not just um, sort of yourself never giving up enduring but there's passing on oh that's a great that, point that paul introduces yeah. and is instructing timothy but even before that yeah i know i can stand alone okay mm. I've done it, and by God's grace and power. So what I encourage everyone to do, hold hands so you stand up together and that you affirm each other in this standing because it's very important. In our culture particularly, we're we're easily influenced and the peer pressure and all that. So we need to stand together. Don't be an island. Yeah, exactly. Which is really, if you look at where the deconstruction happened for a lot of these people, it was a lot of them were in some way an island by themselves. Some of the celebrity mentality came in. And if you see yourself in that capacity and you have no reliance on God, the Word of God, the yeah. people of God, then you're condemning yourself to being unable to stand. You just – you can't do it. Exactly. Exactly. It's like I always say, like a log in the fire and the roaring in the fireplace. But you take that log out, it's going to die down. Mm-hmm. So we got to stay together. That's really very important in terms of uh, – of standing up and, and never giving up and got to be in a godly environment and Bible-believing church that believes what you believe so you can hold each other accountable and, and encourage each other. It's vitally important. And I know that even in this epistle, Paul is telling Timothy, there's some people you need to avoid. There's some people, you yeah. know, you need to be around. Yeah. So the point you make, Jonathan, is a vitally important point. And then, of course, passing it on to yeah. the next generation. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. And that's the longing of my heart. Yeah. And as you know, the vision of our church for yeah. the 2020 sure. is to pass on the whole truth mm-hmm. 
the whole counsel of God, as Paul calls it in Acts 20, to the next generation. And not just bits and pieces of what they like or what they don't like. The smorgasbord Christianity is worth killing a lot of churches. Mm. Well, if you don't like it, leave it. If you don't believe in the Old Testament, get detached from it or get unhitched from it. But you can't do this. It's not in the Christian faith. No. For you, what does it look like to pass it on? Well, I think uh, the best example is sitting in front of me here where I have felt for many years that uh, I am passing on to you and and all your young colleagues in the church this passion for the truth and um, understanding of the truth. And, of course, you're way ahead of me now, but when you started as very young— That was my longing, and almost like Paul said, without being sounding arrogant, God knows my heart, is that watch what I'm doing and and watch what I'm saying, watch how I'm living, and not just my words, Mm -hmm. because lots of people can use words. But this whole celebrity thing, this is really, in America particularly, is just destroying a lot of people. And I appeal to everyone sitting in the pew who are listening to us right now. By all means, encourage your pastor. By all means, pray for your pastor. But don't flatter him. Don't go out of your way and say, oh, this, that, you, that, and thank you. Because what happens, a temptation is so powerful. And then it can get to their head. You know, thankfully, I always pour it as a drink offering if it comes. But the congregation at Church of Apostles are now trained not to do that. Only if there's a word of encouragement, they they will say it. But I used to have a professor back in the 70s, uh, and he used to say, uh, publicity is okay as long as you don't inhale it. (laughs) The problem is when they started seeing publicity, and because they all have PR firms working with them and so forth, and they read their publicity, they inhale it. They believe it. And they think, well, yeah, man, I must be the best thing. self-made man. Well, I'm the best thing. Since sliced bread. Well, you're not. I'm not. (laughs) Only Jesus. And if we fail to point to Jesus, then we failed in our ministry. At the end of Paul's letter, he brings up a particular person, Demas, who was so in love with the world that he seems to have walked away from – Ministry opportunities, all these, all of it. He's the first deconstructionist. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He's the prototype. So have you seen that in ministry, and then how has it affected you, and how do you respond to it? Well, this is a great question, really, because I can tell you that uh, Demas is, first of all, mentioned three times in the, right. in the New Testament. Yep. First was Demas, my fellow worker. Right, yes. Then the next time he mentions him, he said, just Demas. <laughs> and the next thing, Demas has forsaken me, for he loved this present world. Progression. Yeah, and I tell people this all the time. I say it because I've seen it with my eyes. I've read about it in history. The moment you put your foot on that slippery slope, there is no going back. It's only downward. I mean, God may have mercy and and get somebody out, but it's just almost always it's a downward spiral. You never get out of it. And so for me, I have seen people do that. I grieved over it. I have wept tears. As you know, I'm very easily moved to tears. And um, But then I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit within and say, you man of God, 
be strong and in the strength of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I give all the glory to God. I give all the credit to God. I don't mean that I am a strong and I can stand. Without his support and encouragement through the years, as John Wesley used to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. And uh, I'm so grateful for his grace that sustained me mm-hmm. to be able to not only stand, but also help others to stand. Mm-hmm. Well, It's my encouragement to all of our listeners that they get a copy of this book, Never Give Up, Holding Fast to Biblical Truth in Times of Danger and Despair. This book will build up your faith in God in the midst of opposition and help you experience triumph in the face of personal trials. Order your copy of Never Give Up today for your gift of any amount, and you'll also receive two free bonus resources the four ways to leave a spiritual legacy action guide, and the 10 promises for hard times bookmark. Check the show notes for more details or visit ltw.org slash candid today. Dr. Michael Youssef, thank you for being on Candid Conversations. Thank you so much, John. 